Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, April 22nd, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. And I am Justin Klein, and I thank you for joining me on this Monday to kickstart this trading week. Last week was a shortened trading week. This week we get a full trading week. And I hope you call in with your questions during this hour. Anything money, investment, saving related, retirement related, I want to hear from you. I want to know what's on your mind so we can guide this show to help you more specifically. Okay, so each weekday on Invest Talk, our goal is to move you towards freedom financial freedom in your own personal way. And we do that with the philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So we, we want to ride right along with you in this journey to financial independence, just like we do with our clients at KP Financial. Now, and today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to move you incrementally towards financial freedom. <clears throat> Excuse me incrementally towards financial freedom. You're never going to solve it in one day, one week, one month, or even one year. Well, maybe if you in the lottery, I guess. But for 99.9% of you out there, that's not going to happen. Okay, now our anytime listener line is open. I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. That's 888-992-4278. Now, in today's Invest Talk, my main talking point concerns this news that Trump advisor Hassett expects the economy to defy earlier doomsday predictions with 3% growth in the first quarter. We're going to talk about how close that is to reality. Hint, it's closer than it was just a couple months ago or about a month ago. Now, stronger economic data has signaled a continuation of this 3% growth rate that started really the fourth quarter of 2017 when the tax cuts were being being passed, I should say. So we're going to talk about that. I also have some other topics on my mind as well. The housing market, we're going to talk about the sales decline, what that means in some of the hotter markets of the country, obviously. Fund performance. A lot of people look at fund performance and they think uh, they, they, they just look at the last couple of years. And we're going to look at what length of time, what type of fund performance should you look at in order to understand whether that's doing well or not so well, uh, etc. So we're going to touch on that. And then lastly, five things that reveal how cheap rich people are. I think this is always a good topic to just emphasize. That living within your means, saving consistently, those are the two factors that will get you to where you want to be financially. Now, that doesn't always jive with your needs and wants from the day to day, and it's always okay to give in to your needs and wants every once in a while. But 
if you want to get where you want to go, then you're going to need to have some sort of discipline. And typically that's discipline in spending just as much as it is in saving and investing as well. So those are the things that are on my mind. Those things that resonated with me. But that's just me. This show isn't about me. Show's about you. So once again, our anytime listener line is open at 888-99 chart 888-992-4278. Now let's take a, take a look at the markets today. We had kind of a mixed day overall. The Nasdaq was up as well as the S&P very modestly. Then Russell 2000 was down slightly. The All World Index was slightly on the negative side. So uh, more global broader index was was slightly negative the VTI the Vanguard total market index was up 0.1%. So overall kind of a flat day if you look at the broadest indexes that are out there. And you know we had a little bit of sell off uh, going into the latter part of last week where we're near some major resistance levels on the overall market and just like any resistance level that you're going to see uh, in on the charts typically no market or no stock goes up to a resistance level and blasts right through it. Typically, there's some sort of hesitation, some sort of consolidation, some sort of working through that particular resistance number. And we may be in that phase. We may be in that just consolidation phase to work off the overbought condition, uh, work off this resistance level, and we could be blasting to new highs. Uh, a lot has to do, I think, with the earnings season that's upon us, and uh, we're probably going to talk about that more as we go throughout this week and throughout this rest of this uh, month, because how corporate earnings are come in for the first quarter, and even more importantly, what is expected or what the companies are expecting for the second quarter is even more important. Are we in an earnings recession? Are companies providing guidance that indicates we're in an earnings recession? That will be very, very interesting to see going forward for the next couple of weeks. Now, let's take a look at some market news. In relation to that, 16% of S&P 500 companies have reported earnings. That's profits up 6%. As opposed to most analysts are expecting negative 2%. Now, once again, it's only 16% of the S&P 500. So you're talking roughly 150 of the names versus you still have 350 more names to uh, to cover. I'm sorry, less than that. Less than 100 names uh, have been reported. Sorry, my math was off there for a second. Now, a tight labor market may affect the profits in the future, and we may need some resolution of the Chinese trade situation sometime soon for really corporations to get, I think, rosier, to get more excited about the future. Big earnings this week, Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, three of the largest companies in the world, largest heavyweights of the indexes as well, outside of Apple. Now, most experts believe that Amazon, Microsoft will give some good earnings, Facebook, still has its legal problems and worsening brand image, but they still have Instagram, which I think is, is really five years from now will be a much, much bigger portion of their business than I think just the Facebook side, barring any other big developments with the company. 
So that'll be very interesting. Interesting. And then our next GDP number comes out on Friday. And that's likely to be boosted up from uh, most expectations in the 2-3% range, which we're going to talk about a little bit more. Now, homes are getting more expensive. The National Association of Realtors says home sales fell 4.9% on a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 5.21 million in March. That's down from 5.48 million in February. So it continues to get precipitously precipitously worse, not in a dramatic fashion, but the drop followed an 11.2% gain the previous month, the largest in more than three years. So you had a little bump because of lower interest rates, but now guess what? Interest rates are slowly ticking back up. Talked about this before. Long-term incomes drive real estate prices, but in the short term, interest rates have a big factor, especially when interest rates are this low, and you get just, you know, a, a few tenths of a point higher on a on a rate, that can change the optics and the financials when it comes to purchasing a home and how much those offers come in at. So that's a that's that's a big factor. Now, median price of homes has increased to two hundred fifty nine thousand, and once again, mortgage rates are continue to to rise. So. That is why you're seeing less sales because prices remain relatively elevated, but that can only last for so long because what happens when prices stay elevated and sales decline, well, you have inventory start to pile up and eventually higher inventory, lots of inventory turns, uh, creates desperate sellers and lower home prices in the future. Now, oil is now $65 per barrel, nearly, nearly a six-month high. Regular gasoline at the pump is now edging $2.84 per gallon here in the United States. Obviously, a lot more here in California with the added taxes. And the U.S. State Department has now fully enacted sanctions on Iranian oil. That boosted oil prices once again today. So those are all topics that are happening right now in the market and in our economy, and they're very, very important. So we can talk about some of those, all of those, none of those, whatever is on your mind. So you can call in now. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I've got a save the date reminder for you. Steve will be returning to San Jose, California on May 1st. That is one week from Wednesday, this Wednesday. There are two spots left, I believe. So if you live anywhere in Northern California, I encourage you to make plans to sit down with Steve for this no-cost portfolio review consultation. He will look at your portfolio, suggest ways to maximize its performance, and fit its risk profile for you in particular and your particular goals. Once again, Wednesday, May 1st, space is limited. So please register now at investtalk.com. I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and we are powering through April. There are seven trading days remaining this month, and now more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance, right? Of course you do, because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Well, Justin Klein is here now taking your calls live. So step up with your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Good morning, Steve. Thank you for the show. I really love it. I've learned so much about investing and investing and all that. My question is this. I want to become a day trader. Can you tell me 
if you think it's profitable in this DNA, is it easy to get into? That's all. Thank you, Stephen. It's easy to call yourself a day trader, and yes, it's easy to get into. Uh, is it easy to be profitable at, to be successful at? Absolutely not. It is extremely hard because it takes lots of discipline, experience, not just in trading today's market, but trading any market, right? This I, I see this a lot recently. It kind of reminds me a lot of the late 90s, and that's kind of what I expect the next recession to look like, you know, drawn out from 2000 to 2003. But I remember back then there were high school students and college students that I'm just going to become a day trader. And it is not easy. You have to really understand charting. Uh, you don't really have to understand the fundamentals, to be frank, because uh, you're just worried about what's going to happen in the next 10, 20, 30 minutes, couple hours. That's what your most important question is. Uh, and that could be on a particular index, a particular uh, stock. And you can be successful, but 9 out of 10 flame out in a short period of time. Why? Because they tend to not have discipline, right? They they chase, they don't have a plan, they don't really know what works uh, and how to shift gears uh, depending on the market conditions. These things take years and years and years to figure out to get a feel for, to develop a plan that fits your particular personality, right? Everybody's different. Some people are more or less emotional. And if you can get a grasp on your emotions and you can develop a solid plan that you know has worked and will work, you could do well. But it's gonna, you're gonna have big ups and downs. You're gonna have big months that are great, other months that are terrible. And you need to be able to ride both out, right? So is it possible? Is it easy to get into? Yes, and that's somewhat of the problem, that it's so easy to get into. Because remember, you're uh, competing against big Wall Street banks as well as high-frequency traders and uh, uh, trend-following algorithms and things like that. So you really need to start slow. Don't quit your job and think you're going to make all your money in day trading. It's just probably not going to happen. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I want to hear from you. I'm ready to take your call, your questions. I'm sorry, right now at eight 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 ninety nine chart. In the words of a wildly popular 1980s song, it's just another manic Monday. And in today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Well, you've come to the right place. Invest Talk. Justin Klein is here now taking your calls live. So step up with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Elizabeth in San Jose. She wants to talk about Tesla. How are you doing, Elizabeth? Hi, um, I just had a um, quick question. I just wanted to know um, with Tesla stock because I have some stock in, in it. Do you think it's a good idea to hold on to it or to sell it? 
Absolutely not. Uh, we've been short uh, from the mid 300s area, mm -hmm. and I continue to think that Tesla will go bankrupt sooner rather than later. Uh, this is a company that is horribly managed. Uh, it's ran by a, a man who really doesn't understand the concept of what it is to be a CEO of a publicly traded company. Uh, he committed securities fraud and he lies consistently. So um, they lose money all the time. And yeah, they, they produce a lot of sales, but they also do that at the cost of a lot of cash flow of investors. So I would absolutely dump it yesterday. So no, do not own Tesla. Get out of every single share you own. Okay. Is that clear okay. enough? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Thanks. Thanks, Elizabeth. Uh -huh. My main objective, or my main talking point today, concerns the news about the from from an, a Trump economic advisor, and his name is what was it? Kevin Hassett. There we go. He he said on Monday that he's seeing stronger economic data that continues to point to three point three percent GDP growth in the first quarter of this year, and in fact. The big question is, is he wrong? Is he right? Well, in a way, he is right. Uh, now, do are we going to get 3%? Probably not. It's still a possibility, but it's much better than what we were expecting just a few weeks ago. right? We got good reports on retail sales and a lot of other smaller reports that have really slowly pushed the expectations for first quarter GDP growth higher from something with a one handle just about a month and a half ago to definitely something most likely to have a two handle. And the median expectation is now 2.4% from, that's from Moody's Analytics. Now Q1 was as slow as 1% earlier in the quarter. And that's after the government shutdown. But as we all know, the government shutdown is always kind of a, a political sideshow, and it typically doesn't have a really strong effect on the economy because those workers that weren't paid, typically once the government is back open, they get paid uh, again uh, for all the time they just didn't even work, but they're going to get that money and go out there and spend. So the Atlanta Fed GDP Now Tracker, which tends to be pretty optimistic. They expect growth to be 2.8%. Now, JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs, they're still uh, around the 25 to 2.1% respectively in their expectations for the first, first quarter. But it's clearly a deceleration. We've talked about this for a little while. The economy continues to decelerate. And corporate earnings this quarter and next quarter or last quarter are expected to be negative to some degree. Uh, so the big question is: Are we back into this rosy three percent growth rate that even we saw back in the Obama administration for a little while? Well, the answer is possibly, and we're in a much better situation than we were just a few weeks ago. But we're not out of the woods by any means. This is an economy that continues to uh, struggle with the China trade uh, war. You have wage inflation that is picking up, which you would think is a good thing, right? And wages are rising, and you're right, it is. 
but what that also when when you have such a tight labor market that we have right now that squeezes corporate profits and corporations stop hiring because the cost to hire just becomes way too high or they just allow natural uh, exit of the workforce, right? Retirees, they don't replace them. We, they simply fill those roles by existing employees. So that's typically what happens when wage growth accelerates and it typically accelerates going into a recession, right? Because inflation picks up and when, like I said, the uh, corporation's purse strings get a little tighter. They may not invest in uh, CapEx, things like that. And that is part of the reason why you eventually roll over into recession. So there are some positives about the economy, but certainly not what we saw maybe a year ago today. 888 chart, 888-992-4278. So I get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, tomorrow on Invest Talk. One in four young people dip into 401ks to pay off debt, and this is a real problem. Experts say the short-term relief that you may feel from paying down debt is not worth the long-term consequences of taking money out of your retirement savings early. So we're going to touch on that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. That's 888-992-4278. Your typical workday can be very busy. Assignments, appointments, responsibilities, obligations. Sometimes you start early and end late. For that reason alone, you may already be looking to the future, to a period when your money, your accumulated assets are working for you and ultimately creating financial freedom. There are many voices suggesting financial planning services, but there's one company, one firm, that offers a balanced variety of strategically designed investment plans. One firm that applies decades of experience to enable a client personalized collaboration. One firm that can show you how to optimize an investment portfolio that fits your lifestyle objectives and risk tolerance limitations. One firm that speaks with a clear, logical, and unbiased voice. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. This is Invest Talk. Your decision-making process can benefit from practical and unbiased advice if you consult with Steve or Justin. And on May 1st, Steve Peasley will be in San Jose to offer complimentary portfolio review consultations. So don't miss this opportunity. Register now at investtalk.com. Justin Klein is here now taking your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. Thank you for taking my call. This is Maggie calling from Santa Barbara, California. I'm looking to take about a $10,000 position in a mutual fund VTSAX. And I see that it also trades as an ETF under the ticker symbol VTSAX. T-I. And I'm trying to decide which one to pick. And when I read people's comments, they seem to prefer a mutual fund, I guess because it's more stable and you trade it at the end of the day. But in my Ameritrade account, I kind of like getting midday alerts and putting stop losses on my 
equities. So I think I can't do that if it's a mutual fund. I can't put a stop loss or get midday price alerts. So I'm leaning towards getting an ETF, the ticker symbol VTI, but I'm obviously very interested in what you have to say. Thank you so much, and I will be listening on your wonderful podcast. Thanks. Bye. All right. She's looking at the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index ETF or mutual fund, and they both have the same expense ratio, four basis points, and you're pretty much getting exposure to the same stocks. It's the same index, right? And I'm run by the same fund family. It's just which form do you want? Uh, now, mutual fund, I'm assuming there would be no trading fees there, so make sure on that. But if there's no trading fees, that's going to be the cheapest way to purchase it, right? Whereas an ETF, you're going to pay some sort of commission charge. Now, you're right, you're not going to be able to see the daily ups and downs of VTI, or sorry, the, the mutual fund version of VTI, which is v, uh, VTSAX. But that might be a good thing. Uh, you know, you talk about putting stop losses, and you're right, on a mutual fund, you can't really do that. Uh, but on an ETF, you can. But this is also an index fund. This is not a, something that's designed to be traded a lot. Uh, this is more of you put it a portion of your money into equities, right? And you want the broadest index that you possibly can find, and pretty much that. That does it. VTI is is very very broad. Uh, however, I don't think it's from I remember. Yeah, it's 98% U.S. stocks, so it's only going to be U.S. stocks. So it's broad exposure to U.S. stocks. I don't remember how many names they have, but it's very broad from a domestic standpoint. And if that's what you want, then you're going to use that as a part of a diversified long-term buy and hold portfolio. You know, I'm not a big fan uh, of the indexing. Why? Because they're price weighted and they tend to be, uh, <clears throat> you're allocating a lot more money to the most expensive stocks in the, in the, uh, the marketplace naturally because they have the highest market value. Uh, and also, there's a lot of people that are just indexing. And when the market gets bad, like you talk about having stop losses, you're going to be in this and then you're going to stampede out while the market goes down and that's going to snowball on itself. So that's why I'm not a huge fan of indexing, especially right now when the markets are so high. So it just depends on, on, on what you want to do. To me, I rather have the mutual fund that's no commission, hopefully, and I just buy and hold and not worry about the intraday ups and downs. But if you like to have those alerts, Go for the ETF. Probably not going to be that much of a difference in the long run. Let's go to Roy in San Jose. How are you doing, Roy? I'm good. Thank you. Great. You're looking at NVIDIA, right? Oh, yes. I'm um, looking for NVIDIA. Uh, just a general, need your thoughts. Is it a, should I sell it at this point or should I hold it off for a couple more months or years? Just your thoughts. Well, I do think it's okay for right now. You know, it's had a decent rally here uh, from about the 130 level. Now we're at about 188, but its high was about 295 or so, 290 and change. Uh, so well, well off of its 52-week high. Let me do a fib retrace here. Let me see the the next resistance points. Yeah, I mean, I think I could see this making its way up to the 208 level. Um, but longer term, you go to a weekly chart, you're on the YouTube live stream, you'll see this uh, this chart. <clears throat> um, 
you know, you have this huge sell-off, and typically when you have these chart patterns, huge rally with a large high-volume reversal pattern, uh, it wants to it wants to go lower. Um, and I think eventually this will work its way lower. But in the near term, while while there's still risk on in the markets, this could work its way up to you know two two oh eight two ten. Uh, I think it'll be all right. But from a valuation standpoint. It's still very, very overvalued, uh, and I'll go over to that right now on Y charts and has a 115 billion dollar market cap now. Not a lot of debt, which is good, but its enterprise value to EBITDA is 25, and revenues are down 24 percent year over year. That is a very expensive stock for negative revenue growth and pretty much no earnings growth. So. Um, you know, technically in the near term, could have some more upside, but longer term, uh, I'm not a fan of NVIDIA at these prices. Thanks for the call, Roy. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Wow, this hour has gone by fast. We're only about 15 minutes left. So if you're going to call, you want to do it sooner rather than later. Let's talk a little bit about the housing market. Now, a year ago today, we still had a very hot housing market, very hot housing market, but you started to see the cost of borrowing increase about mid to latter part of the third quarter last year, and buyers in the tightest U.S. housing markets are finally getting what they've been wanting for many years now, and that is inventory. Uh, just like I talked about at the top of the show, this is really the story right now in the housing market, and <clears throat> Two years ago, three years ago, I was saying, well, we should need more inventory. We need more inventory, and there'll be more sales. Well, what's happened is inventory has gone up because sales have gone down. Now, in Salt Lake City, listings have jumped 53% in the month of March from one year ago. Transactions are down 21%, which is the biggest drop in the country, and you have uh a lot of other big markets that are also seeing big home sales declines year over year. LA, just north of where I'm at, Las Vegas, just uh, just west, east of where I'm at, and Orange County is where I live, and we're down 16% year over year. And this has pushed inventory up 53% in Salt Lake, like I said, 15% in LA, Vegas 23, Orange County 21, Seattle, Washington, another area, down 15% in sales uh, year over year, and Inventory is up 83%. San Jose, very similar. Down 14% in sales. Inventory is up 104% year over year. That is what you do not want to see if you own homes in those regions. Okay, And I've been saying this for a little while. The last two to three years, I've been telling every client that we talk to, every listener, that if you are looking to sell, you want to do it sooner rather than later. You don't want to wait until inventory starts to surge. You want to wait until uh, you want to do it in a seller's market as opposed to a buyer's market. And as those at inventory continues to increase, it suddenly has become maybe not a complete buyer's market, but definitely at least neutral in some markets. And in some markets, yes, an outright seller's mar- or buyer's market because sellers are starting to become more and more desperate as their homes sit on the market a little little longer. So really what we're going to, really the big problem continues to be aff- affordability. Buyers stepped back last year after mortgage rates went up and prices didn't drop. And on top of that, people are starting to realize, especially now with filing of taxes 
and talking to your accountant, Trump's tax plan is punishing prices in high priced areas. Why? Because there's limits to how much you can deduct, right? And on top of that, the standard deduction is increased. So before when you needed that mortgage interest write-off to get to that standard deduction or part of, or not standard, but part of that itemized deduction, now a lot of people who might buy a home, that mortgage interest deduction doesn't really apply because their standard deduction now is so much higher. So it's certainly impacted the tax effect owning a home, buying a home, having a mortgage on a home has for your average person. So that is another factor that is starting to slowly hit the market, especially those in high price areas. Now nationally, purchases of previously owned homes dropped 4.9% in March from the previous month. And in the fourth quarter, sales of new homes in Orange County, here in Orange County, was the weakest since the Great Recession which includes Irvine, which is a very, very popular uh, city to live in, and especially uh, overseas buyers. A lot of Chinese buyers are buying, have been buying in Irvine, and that's slowing down as well. Now, we're starting to hear some pickup in sales here in Orange County in the Pacific Northwest, but it's very, very early, and part of that is just lower mortgage rates. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We stream and broadcast Invest Talk live in the 4 o'clock Pacific time hour each weekday. It's also available 24-7 via our archived podcast at investtalk.com. And of course, you can listen, subscribe, rate Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And now the lines are open and we are taking your financial or investing questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Made possible by KPP Financial, where each Friday subscribers to the KPP Premium Newsletter receive a concise and highly informative summary of the week's financial and investment news sent directly to their inbox. It really does give you a week that was roundup in a quick read. It also offers a look ahead and various process and term explanations that will be interesting to every investor. So you should be thinking about subscribing. You'll get targeted value formatted for fast consumption when you become a KPP Premium Newsletter subscriber at investtalk.com. The InvestTalk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin. My name's Jeff. I'm a nurse living here in Las Vegas. Hey, Steve, I really uh, respected your judgment until you told me you don't watch Game of Thrones. Anyways, uh, just kidding, but um, my question was regarding a short sale versus a put. Uh, what would lead you to do one over the other? I have mostly been day trading and doing short sales, and it's been mildly successful, but I just bought my first option a trade the other day and just wanted to know if either of you could distinguish between the two. Thanks for your show. I'm an avid listener, and I look forward to hearing it. Bye. Well, I will say this about Steve. Even though he doesn't watch Game of Thrones, he has read all the books. Uh, he, he read those books well before it was ever a show. Steve's a very avid reader. He loves all types of books, so um, doesn't shock me at all. He'll read a whole book in a weekend. So, um, But I do love Game of Thrones, but I haven't read the books. Maybe I will one day. Anyway... Short sale versus a put. 
Short sale versus a put. Now, where would I do one versus the other? Um, put is something you need to have a strong thesis for a time frame. And that could be, right, there got to be some sort of catalyst. That could be an earnings announcement. It could be something in relation to a competitor coming out with its own products. Uh, it could be something economic where you see a recession in X amount of time and that's going to affect this type of uh, company and then you buy a put with a certain time frame on it uh, because you see a particular catalyst. Now a short sale, you probably want a catalyst as well, but short sale there's no real expiration, right? There's you, you just want the company to not do so hot in the future or the market to suddenly figure out your thesis that Things aren't as rosy, maybe, as the market is priced in. And you need a catalyst for that. But you might not know when that catalyst might hit, right? So if you understand precisely what the catalyst is going to be and when it's likely or certain to hit, like an earnings announcement, for, for instance, then I could say buying a put makes sense. And you also define your risk. Whereas a short sale... Theoretically, there's unlimited risk. Us for clients, you know, we shorted Tesla back in 2017, well above where it is today, but it's been a bumpy ride, a lot of drops and pops and along the road. If we bought puts, you know, it could have expired worthless. Okay, so, you know, we're still prof very profitable in it, even though there's a lot of volatility in it. So for me... I like outright shorts. I know there's a lot more capital involved and uh, the, the, the return doesn't get as exciting as, as a put and you know, no individual position ever will in relation to an option, right? Because options always have very asymmetric large payouts, either 100% down or hundreds of percent up, right? And that's typically how options work. So it depends how much risk you want to take, depends on your time horizon, depends on the name, depends on the applied volatility, how expensive are put options. All of those things come into play. So I hope that gave you a framework of how to think about it. There's no right answer for that applies to everybody, but maybe for you, that framework can give you the answer. Now this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And we have one goal each and every weekday here on Invest Talk, and that is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. So get your questions in. We're going into the last segment, and I want to hear from you. If you're going to call in, you need to do it right now at 888 99Chart. On the next Invest Talk, one in four young people dip into their 401ks to pay off debt. And this is a real problem. That story tomorrow. But now, Justin is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. Uh, this is Pat from West Des Moines calling. I wanted to know your thoughts on CenturyLink. The ticker is CTL. Uh, they've reduced their dividend to about 8%. Uh, just was wondering what you thought about them as a long-term hold. Thanks. Bye. 
All right, I'm so happy somebody called about this. I'm so happy. I didn't even ever think about it, but I'm just happy that it happened. Right? Uh, and this is CenturyLink. And this is a name that right now yields 8.4%. Everyone's going to say, 8.4%, that's a nice yield. Right? 8.4%. Oh, I'm going to get 8.4%. Well, guess what? If you've been thinking about CenturyLink's dividend for the past, let's say, its its peak was $49, $50 a share back in 2008, and now it's at $11 a share. Okay. It's gone down 80% over that time frame. And it's always paid a very nice dividend. As of 2012, it paid 72 cents a share quarterly. And back then, 2012, it was trading, I don't know, $40 a share. And this is a name that had little to no earnings growth, little to no sales growth, but they paid a nice dividend. And how did they do that? Well, they issued a lot of debt, a ton of debt. Right? Their long-term liabilities since 2010 has gone from 10 billion to 45 billion over that time frame. Stop focusing on the dividend. Stop chasing dividends. It's a name who's cut its dividend from 72 cents a share quarterly to 25 cents a share quarterly. What do you think is going to happen next? Guess where that dividend is going to go? Zero. Because it's going to go bankrupt. Stop it. I'm tired of seeing this. Stop chasing the dividend. Understand the business. Understand the balance sheet. Understand the cash flows. Stop obsessing over the dividend. John, Santa Cruz, you want to talk about gold coins? Hey, Justin. How you doing? Well, how you doing? Yes, I've I'm good. Um, I've got about oh seventy or eighty thousand dollars worth of gold coins, and I've had them since oh about two thousand ten. And over that period of time, it's not been a very good place to have you know gold because it mm -hmm. yeah. hasn't really done anything. Well, you started off well, um, right? Two thousand ten, two thousand twelve, yeah. pretty good. Yes, yes. If I'd sold then, it would have been fine, but. I held them, and so uh, I have a uh, maybe a ten percent loss if I were to sell all the coins. What I'm what I'm asking is, um, I want to use the money for travel over the next ten years, take scuba mm -hmm. diving trips maybe every year, and so I was wondering about selling all the gold, you know, just getting rid of it and put it in the stock market. Um, and then just, mm -hmm. you know, whenever I'm going to do a trip, take the money, sell some stock, take the money out, or leave the gold alone and then just sell it slowly as, as I take the trips. So, um, or I would do the latter. Another... Uh, from, from a long-term valuation standpoint, I think gold is closer to a, a longer-term bottom than stocks are. I think stocks are closer to a longer-term high than... Uh, so, okay. and from a... A valuation standpoint from a ratio of uh, the the Dow to gold prices, we're at historic lows. 
So odds are gold over the next X number of years are likely to outperform stocks in general. Um, so now, does that mean it's going to have to start happening next year or the year after? We don't know exactly when that's going to happen. But if you're talking over the next 10-year time horizon, I would imagine your gold is likely going to do better than stocks starting from these prices. Thanks for the call, John. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. And I thank you for your loyal support and questions. I'll be back here tomorrow sitting in for Steve, who will be back on Wednesday from his vacation. Thanks for tuning in. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART.